We're going to continue this morning in the Word in the same idea. I love God, and I love the way God works among us. A couple of things. The reason that Chris and I went away the last, over the last weekend was years ago, before COVID, we had planned to go to this place in Michigan. Dear um, gentleman, I would say friend almost, it's strange, but kindred spirit, his name is Scott Barker, and he has a property he opens up for pastors to come and stay for any purpose, and I didn't know what it was, and we had planned to go before COVID, and then everything got crazy with COVID, and he didn't really shut down, but then we couldn't schedule, and we wanted to be there when it's warm, so bottom line is we went last week, uh, finally, and weren't sure we were gonna be able to do it. Again, Mike stepped up by the grace of God, God laid Obadiah on his heart, which was beautifully preached. Mike, I got to listen. And uh, we were just blessed to be able to spend some time away. And one of the things I was doing is it wasn't because someone's like, how was your vacation? And that's fair. It was beautiful. Michigan's beautiful. If you've never been there, it's wonderful. But my purpose in going was to seek God's direction uh, for the future at Family Bible Church, meaning for the immediate future of what was next. We just finished Second Corinthians, as you know, and also for the, the future of Family Bible Church, what we're doing, you know, who we are and how we're called to be in the community. And uh, I would love to come back and say, man, I had this wonderful revelation, uh, but God does these like incremental things. <laughs> and so I'm not sure he wants any, he's not going to show us the end, he's going to show us the next. And so we got to spend some time uh, doing that. I think much to my wife's chagrin a little bit, because she's there going, well, what are we doing? I'm like seeking God, <laughs> which looks a lot like standing around in the woods sometimes <laughs> for me. Um, but uh, some of you will appreciate that. Um, this this uh, artwork we have, and the artwork we're going to have for the series is actually from the property where I spent time walking and praying and thinking and seeking God. We did other stuff too. Don't get me wrong. We went out and had meals and saw the, the king trout running or the king salmon running or whatever and all this kind of stuff. But I just want to uh, let you know what we were doing and why. And so coming back to this then, coming back into Family Bible, um, it's funny because what I'm going to share with you, God had on my heart before I left. And I'm going to say, if you've been around Family Bible for years, uh, you'll know that you might discover this is a little different, what God is doing. And I don't fully understand it, but we're going to go with it, right? Um, Because what we do when we don't understand is we just obey, obey, right? We're obedient. And and so... uh, I have had this on my heart to share with you, and I don't know why this is, but it's the idea of, of if, it, if this was the last thing I was going to say to you, and I'm not predicting anything, by the way, but what would I want all of you to know, that, that what would I want you to remember, because I've said a lot to you over the years, but what would be the things that, that you would take away, and again, this isn't like there's nothing going on, there's nothing, I just have this burden, I don't understand it, so, and you won't be surprised to know if you know me, these are simple things. <laughs> So we should all be able to follow along. Um, so I'm going to ask what we always do when we, when we get into God's word. I'm going to ask you to pray with me that he would be revealing truth to us as a community, those gathered here this morning, and that we would be seeking him and his wisdom in our lives. So pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, as we come to worship you today and now to seek your wisdom from your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be teaching us that you would be giving us your very word for us, that we would be able to um, just sit with you and listen. I uh, thank you so much for the songs we've already sang today that, that are reflective of that idea. Just to be with you is such, it's the whole blessing to be with you, Father. And so, Lord, uh, in this time, would you uh, condescend and teach us? Would you give us open minds and open hearts to what you have for us, coming from all different backgrounds and wherever we are in our lives, that, that you would be uh, instructing and loving us today through your word? I pray you would do that as only you can. And I pray you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
And so I'm going to start with a, a, a psalm uh, this morning, and this is Psalm 16. Hear the word. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names upon my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup, and you have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That is the entirety of Psalm 16. I'm not going to preach from that, but I thought that was a beautiful um, backdrop for what I'm going to talk to you about today. So we're going to do four weeks in the series, one point each week, and today you're going to be blown away what we're going to talk about. What I would want you to know more than anything else in this life, what I would tell my kids or my grandkids, kids, Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. I kind of get frustrated with a trust Jesus idea because you see it on overpasses. I say it all the time on the highways. You see it, graffiti, you know. It's, it's two words, trust Jesus. You see the commercial on TV that says trust Jesus. So I want to unpack a little bit this morning some ways that we can practically trust Jesus and why that this simple idea, and this is true for you wherever you are in your life, whether you believe in Jesus Christ, we'll talk about that in a moment, or whether you don't know who Jesus is at all, I would encourage you to trust Jesus in your life. We're going to find out it's a pretty low bar of entry to begin to trust Jesus. So as I encourage you, I want to encourage you in three different ways to trust Jesus, right? But just that's the point. If that's all you remember, remember that, to trust Jesus in your life. The first thing is, though, to trust Jesus in, for yourself or for your soul or for your salvation. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn. I didn't ask you earlier. You can turn to the psalm as well. But I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. These passages I'm going to share with you today will be familiar probably to you. You've probably heard them, whether you've been in a church or not. And, and you'll know some of the words. They're so often repeated amongst us. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and, and he's been telling them that he's going to die, and he's going to go away. And, and, and they kind of get freaked out by this, and like, what does this mean, and can we go with you, and how's that work? And Jesus says this in John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to a place, to, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. 
you know the way to the place I am going. And we're going to stop there. I know the conversation continues with Thomas and what, what does that mean and I, we don't understand this. And they're really freaked out. But I want, to see, I want you to see in the middle of that when Jesus talks about his eternal hope, the, the thing that he's been sharing with his disciples all the earthly years of ministry, he says these words, trust in God or the Greek says believe in God, believe also in me. So he first says believe there's a God. That seems like a foregone conclusion, especially if you are raised to believe there's a God or you've always thought there is a God. But for many people, including me, for years of my life, I didn't believe there was a God at all. So the first is to believe that it's possible there's a God that you don't yet know. So Jesus says this to the disciples who he's been teaching, trust in God or believe God, believe also in me. Well, what does it mean to trust Jesus or to believe Jesus? What does it mean to trust God or believe God? And so I thought we would do something this morning. And I think since Jim's had such an adventurous day, I'm going to invite you to come up. Jim, with me. Come on up here for a second. Do you mind? You, you, you crawl through windows. Oh, his back's already hurting. This is a good sign. Now, Jim, Jim is a trusting guy. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So... Um, I'm going to have Jim trust fall. We have a nurse. We have an EMT. We're going to be fine. And, and I'm, I'm going to have Jim just fall. How you feeling, Jim? Good right now. <laughs> Are you nervous? No. Not at all? No. Jim, have you seen these little guns I've got? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to. Are you, are you going to? No. Look at him, he's trying, to, he's trying to see where I'm at. I want to follow right Listen, way. I'm kidding. I'm going to trust following you. Are you ready? No. <laughs> Look how hard that is to do, right? Like even when you're a kid at the swimming pool, you know, you stay on the edge. You're like, I'm going to just flop in. That's terrifying. It's a hard thing. To trust you. I'm kind of surprised you would trust me, and I wouldn't trust myself, honestly. Let's try a different thing. Here, I'm going to try this. This is called the trust chair. Okay? I'm going to have you face this direction. Face that way. Yep. And I'm going to tell you to go ahead and sit in the trust chair. I'm not, huh? Oh, that's pretty good. You did it. What did you do with your arms there? What were you doing there? I looked to see if the seat was there. Yeah. But you did it. Awesome. Good job. I'll give you a hand, Jim. Thank you, brother. The trust chair was way safer than the trust bill, by the way. I guarantee you. What is going on there when the Bible says to trust God and trust also in Jesus? You see, I think many times, and I've said to you before about the trust chair idea, right? Like, you have to at some point let it bear weight. You, you, Jim didn't say, I, I think that chair can hold me. I believe that chair can hold me, but he actually sat down. Now, he did some things. He kind of, I'm going to pull back up here. He kind of put his hands out, but he didn't grab it. I thought for sure, if I was going to do it, I would do this, right? Because I've missed enough chairs in my life that you got to make sure you're in the right spot. Um, make sure there's not a friend behind you to pull it out as well, by the way. 
That's what it means. That it, 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 trusting in God and trusting in Jesus Christ is an exercise in doing something, not just thinking something. You see, I could have asked Jim, and I believe he would have fallen, and that kind of terrifies me. <laughs> I mean, he would have fallen, hopefully, to my arms. But to have them have someone trust you or to trust God enough to just fall, to trust God. Well, why is that a big deal? Jesus is about to leave and his instructions are, trust God and trust me. So that's interesting to me. The word trust in the Bible is the same word as faith. It's the same word. It means to believe in or to have faith in, to put trust in or to have confidence in. So you have then to believe that there's a God and believe in God, God's self. Big picture. And then to believe in Jesus in the same way you believe in God. He's very much equating himself here with the Father. Trust in God. Trust also in me. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, you heard the word, I'm going ahead in my Father's house, so there's the claim, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you, and if it were not so, I would have told you. So he's like, have I lied to you yet? I want you to trust me. So we're called to trust Jesus for ourselves, trust Jesus in our life. If it were not so, I would have told you. So that's one thing, we can trust Jesus. But I want to say another thing, and this is actually the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 9, a couple of verses here. Uh, Luke 9 is Jesus talking to his disciples. You'll know this passage as well probably. And in the middle of this, he says, um, who do people say that I am? It's in verse 18 of uh, chapter 9. Let's read a little bit of this. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. I'm not going to unpack that today, but think about that. He was praying in private, but the disciples were with him. He asked, who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? See, Jesus wants to know what they think the world thinks of him. And who do the crowds say that I am? And they have an answer. You might have an answer in your life. Who does the world say Jesus is? And you'd have a whole bunch of answers for who Jesus is to the world. But then Jesus doesn't leave it in this big question of what do they believe. He asks this, what do you believe? Well, we know what happens. Peter says this, the Christ of God or the Messiah of God. That Jesus is the one that was prophesied about all his life, not only that, meaning Peter's life, but all the life of all of Israel since the beginning of Revelation, since they began to know this God. He says, you are the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus is not only interested in us trusting him, but that we would trust him. Now, why would I, I say that? Because it doesn't much matter what your friends believe about Jesus. If your friends trust Jesus, we're going to come back around on this. It doesn't much matter if your parents trust in Jesus or if your kids trust in Jesus or your pastor trusts in Jesus or your coworkers or your, someone else in your family. But the question becomes an intimate one. Yes, but what about you? 
What about me? Do you trust in Jesus? Who do you say that he is? So that's the first thing, to trust Jesus for ourselves. Now, we're going to kind of step through this idea of trusting Jesus into deeper things because I think many of us think that's the whole point, right? I trusted in Jesus. I, I believe in him. I've been baptized. Yes, that's, that's check. I'm done with that. But what we will discover this morning is that the beginning of trusting Jesus is only the beginning of our life with Christ. So check this out. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, and this is the calling of the disciples. And this is going to be that same Peter who said, you are the Christ, right? And uh, 3.18 again. This is what the word says. It might be 4, actually. Let's see here. Yeah, 4.18. I apologize. Chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting the net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And then the most radical verse, one of the most radical verses of Scripture, verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. That's wild to me. That Jesus just simply shows up, fishermen doing their job, and he says, hey, come follow me. And they just drop their things and follow Jesus. We talk about trusting Jesus with our lives. It means that we trust Jesus with what's going on right now. They were in the middle of work. They're busy. Matter of fact, in the other gospels, it said they were, they were fishing and they weren't catching anything, right? And Jesus shows up in their life. Uh, in the gospel of John, it actually says that, that uh, Simon's brother Andrew came to him and said, we found the Christ. We found the one. Come and, come and see. And so... We have this invitation to trust Jesus in our circumstances. This is the, a deeper level of trust. Now, why would I show you um, Matthew uh, 13, the call of Peter, or one of the calls of Peter? Because it's simple. It's a simple invitation to start trusting Jesus right where you are. Right where you are. And, and, and that would mean if you, it, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you start right where you are. But if you believe in Jesus, you start right where you are right now. Jesus, I trust you with what's going on right now in my life. Whatever it is, the things that, that we think are only known to us, the things that we are facing maybe feel like we're facing alone. And so we're invited to uh, trust Jesus in our lives practically right now in our current situation. But there's more than that. It's a simple invitation to follow him. And I, and I want to show you that um, that. He talks here about their future. So we can trust Jesus with the right now, whatever's going on, but they can trust Jesus with the future. He says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. All right? It's okay. If, if, you, if you follow me, I will make you. So there's a future tense to Jesus saying, follow me. He's not like, follow me and stay where you are, and that's going to be your life forever. He's like, no, you're going to come with me, and you're going to be changed as you Walk with me as you, as you follow me in your life. So that's the second part, is that we can trust Jesus for the right now. We can trust Jesus with the future. But there's a third thing, and it's not obvious. We can trust Jesus with our past. See, it says that they were fishing because they were fishermen. And you might think, well, why would Jesus call fishermen anyway? That's a great question to ask. I don't know. 
But I know this, he knew who they were. When he showed up in their life, it wasn't like, oh, I've, I've, I've sent the wrong invitation to the wrong person. I've, I've made a mistake here. He's like, you, come follow me. That means that in our lives, when Jesus says to follow, asks, invites us to follow him, that he knows everything that comes with us. <laughs> I'll say it this way to you. And this is really intimate to me, and I'm serious about it. A lot of my prayer life, I spend talking to God and saying, God, you know me. You made me. You know who I am, good and bad. And that's a right now prayer for me. Not a prayer back when I was a sinner, you know, and didn't know Jesus. It's a right now prayer in the need, in, in, the, in the moment of need to say, God, you know me. And you could change this. And you haven't chosen to, so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust you with the future of whatever I'm facing. I'm going to trust you with my past that I don't fully understand myself. Jesus calls these men and women to follow him. Uncertain, they don't know their future, but he does. And they maybe are hoping to leave their past, but he knows who they are and it matters to him. There's another point here, though. That's the beginning of Peter following Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I want to show you um, the end of Peter following Jesus. And if you've been around, you know I've talked about this before, but I can't help myself. Uh, John chapter 21. And we're not going to cover a lot of this, but I'm just going to cover these final words to Peter, which is so, so funny. Um, Picking up in verse 19. Well, I'll back up one more verse. uh, Let's see, 18 maybe. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will clothe you and they will lead you to the places you do not want to go. That doesn't sound very exciting as the future, does it? Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. So you got Jesus at the beginning saying, hey, follow me. And they drop their nets and follow him. And they have Jesus at the end, resurrected, by the way, here. And he says to Peter, so he's, Jesus is raised from the dead. And he says, you're going to go a place you don't want to go. This is how you're going to glorify me. And then look at, listen to this. And then he said to Peter, follow me. What that means is that following Jesus, trusting Jesus, isn't something we do once and we're done forever. It means we do it now, we do it in the future, that when things are hard, we follow Jesus. That's still the command. I I thought about it in his discipleship growth. Peter goes from follow me to follow me. (laughs) Or in your discipleship growth, you go from follow Jesus to follow Jesus. A couple more verses here. Peter turns and he sees a disciple whom Jesus loved still following them right behind him. This is the one who had leaned back against the Lord at this last supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw that one, he asked, well, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered this way. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You follow me. Here it is. Just like the, going from the crowds think to what you think. Peter's like, what about that guy? How's he going to follow you? Jesus like, don't worry about that guy. Don't worry about that woman. You follow me. You. Right? Trust Jesus. Follow 
Jesus. If you've been a Christian for any period of time, there will be things that you will face that you do not want to walk through. And there will be a temptation to walk through them in some way besides walking with Jesus through them. No, we do not outgrow trusting in Jesus. Follow him. Follow him. No matter what other people are doing, you follow Jesus. Trust him. All right. So now we have these levels. You trust Jesus with yourself, your soul. That's a big trust. You trust Jesus with your circumstances and what you're going through, what you might go through. We pray this morning things that we do not want or expect. These are the moments that our faith bears fruit. Last thing here, we, we trust Jesus for others. I'll talk about this. Turn with me. Last stop today, Mark chapter 2. This is one of my favorite stories of the Bible. I say that about a lot of them. I love, love, love this story because it's so radical. Mark 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what the word says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard he had come home. Interesting. Verse 2. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. He proclaimed the word. Some men came, verse 3, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because the crowd was in the way, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging it, digging through the roof, they lowered the mat the man who was paralyzed was lying on. Okay, let's just stop for a minute. That's a wild story, right? Jesus had come home, and the crowds were gathering, and they were pressed in so tight that no one could get to Jesus. And these guys come, and they're carrying a friend who's paralyzed, and they hear Jesus is in town, and he can help. And these guys are so radical that they climb on the roof. The word says they pull apart the tiles. So they're like, it would be like if the roof opened up today and someone just dropped someone, not in front of me, but in front of Jesus, in pure faith, they showed up, they believe, they trust, and they open this hole, and they drop their friend, their, their neighbor, their coworker, their children. I don't know what the relationship was that this man who was on the mat had with them. And they lay him at Jesus' feet in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. That's radical faith. But this next verse is crazy. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. What? We trust Jesus for ourselves. We trust Jesus for our circumstance. We trust Jesus for others. That verse is wild. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of who? The faith of his friends, the faith, the faith of the men who carried him there, who could not carry himself. He said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Now, we're going to stop. There's more to the story. People get upset. We're going to maybe touch that in a minute. But Jesus knows what's going on. 
This is a third level of trusting Jesus. Let me tell you, this is the way you trust Jesus for people that you have burdens for. And I know many of you have deep burdens for people around you. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. The lesson is, you trust Jesus. I've said to you before, you bring them to Jesus. You admit your inability to fix it. These men were not going to help their friend except to bring him to Jesus. Drop him at his feet. His sins are forgiven. More to the story. Jesus knows what happens in their hearts. There's people who are skeptical, and they're like, oh, how can this man blaspheme? He can't forgive sins. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. They don't say it. They're thinking it. And then Jesus says, so that you may know the Son of Man can forgive sins, I say to you, get up and walk. And then we all go, wow. Power of the gospel. The power of Jesus Christ. But the healing is not the point. The point is that his sins are forgiven. Because guess what? He'll have a bad day again. He'll, he'll not be able to walk again. Someday in his life, he'll die. He will. His sins are forgiven. That's wild. We trust Jesus for others. There's one little more thing in here I want you to see. Verse 3 says this. Some men came bring to Jesus a paralytic carried by four. That's wild. I always thought four men brought their friend. Everybody was doing something. If you read that, that means that there was a group of people who were concerned. Four people carried. I don't know how many people dug the hole in the roof, and they were all standing around wanting to see what would happen, what Jesus could do. We trust Jesus for others, but we trust Jesus with others, meaning we invite people into those things we're concerned about. Have you seen Bob? Have you talked to Mary? Have you, have you heard what's going on with that family? Not to gossip, not to be salacious, but to be burdened together. What can we do? Pray. What can we do? Bring them to Jesus. How do I know? that many of you carry burdens for people because you, you've shared that with me. I've gotten calls from some of you. I don't know what to do. Here's my answer. Trust Jesus. I'm not saying don't call me. Please, call someone, call me. Call someone you know believes in Jesus like you do and say, I need to share this with you. Can we trust Jesus together? See, here's the thing. Many people think we have to bear our burdens alone, but we don't. Jesus has given us a whole community of people to trust him with, to trust Jesus together. So that's it. What, what should we do in our life? Trust Jesus. I'm amazed that one of the most famous passages of Scripture is John 3.16. You know what it says. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would have eternal life. Right? I was thinking about that passage of scripture and I was rereading it. You know what I was amazed by? Nicodemus never asked Jesus a question. I mean, not initially. He came at night. 
He wasn't a believer. He was a Pharisee. That would, you would assume that meant he didn't yet believe in Christ. And he talked to Jesus. And Jesus, after he made a comment about who Jesus was, he said, you can't see the things of God unless you're born from above. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And that's what we're talking about here today. When you trust Jesus, it's the birth of God in your life. You trust God. Trust also in Jesus Christ. It's his giving you new life, new birth. So much so that Nicodemus is like, how can I be born again? He's the one that said it. Jesus, Jesus said be born from above. And then Peter, or, uh, Nicodemus said, I have to be born again. And, and, and Jesus is like, you don't understand this? Only the Spirit can give birth. Only the Spirit can make us new. And then Jesus says those words we all know. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would trust him will have eternal life. That's the promise, and that's the hope. I don't know if you trust Jesus, and I'm telling you, you don't got to know the end to know the beginning. You don't got to know where you end up to, to start. But I'd encourage you today to trust him. And if you've trusted him, I'd encourage you to continue to trust him with whatever you're facing, and trust him with us. Trust him together. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for the totality of your gospel, the hope of the nations born in Jesus Christ. That your Holy Spirit is condescending to people even today to give us new life, those of us who were dead in our sins. Father, today, for, uh, I pray, pray that we would trust you and that we would trust in your Son, Jesus Christ. That by your grace, we would know more each day our Savior. And Lord, I do pray because there are things that we face that are overwhelming, that we don't know what to do. And I pray for myself and my friends that in those moments we would remember and resolve to trust you again. And then for the things that are totally out of our control, that honestly in our sin we would like to just take control of, that we would bring those things, those people those circumstances to you and lay them at your feet. Help us, Father, do that work. This is not easy. This is real work of faith among us. May we do it for your glory and our good. We pray you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen.